Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Maria Victoria Mateos of University Hospital of Salamanca in Spain. This is the second episode of our podcast series dedicated to the first Multiple Myeloma Hub Satellite Symposium, which was held virtually in May 2021. In this episode, our speaker will be discussing whether the treatment of high-risk smouldering multiple myeloma is the way to achieve cure. Thank you very much, Sabar, and I will continue with the dream of cure myeloma, but in this case, throughout the management of high-risk smouldering myeloma. This slide includes my conflict of interest. And the first question I plan is, what is the definition of cure? And here you can see different definitions. And from my point of view, the definition of cure has been becoming more relaxed over time. And for me, the appropriate definition would be the first one coming from 1963, in which cure should connote that in time, probably a decade of two after treatment, there remains a group of disease-free survivors whose annual death rate from all causes is similar to that of a normal population group of the same sex and age distribution. Are these concepts applicable to multiple myeloma? And uh, well, is myeloma a curable disease? Here you can see a slide in which we can compare the expected survival and the survival for different hematological diseases like follicular lymphoma, Hodgkin lymphoma, diffuse larvae cell lymphoma, and multiple myeloma. And we can say follicular lymphoma, Hodgkin, diffuse larvae cell lymphoma are curable hematological diseases. But in myeloma, and this paper is coming from Vincent Rakumar, there is a big gap between the myeloma survival and the expected overall survival. This is basically based because of many reasons, and one of them is the complexity of the disease. We know that all myeloma patients usually present in a common way, but behind this common presentation, each patient with myeloma presents a different disease. If we plan the roadmap to cure patients with multiple myeloma, one of the crucial points could be early detection and early intervention. And this is not uh, something completely new. If we go to the oncology perspective, in almost all malignancies, the early detection and the early intervention is something required in order to cure, eradicate the disease, or at least to delay the progression to active disease. In myeloma, this is not uh, something different. And from, from the molecular point of view, we know that myeloma is usually preceded by premalignant status like MGAS and smothering. We know that primary events are already present in MGAS situation. We go to smothering, but necessarily secondary events are necessary in order to move from smothering to myeloma. So if we plan an early detection and an early intervention, we are going to treat a disease less complex from the molecular point of view. And this is not only relevant, maybe the myeloma-related symptomatology, because you know that a myeloma is usually 
present with bone pain, broken bones, anemia, renal dysfunction, symptomatology that clearly impact in the quality of life of our patients. The next question is based on this, should we treat all patients with plasma cell disorders when they are early detected? And the answer is not, because as I previously told you, all myeloma clones are preceded by corresponding precursor stages, but not all of them take the same road. And definitely we have to consider the molecular abnormalities as well as the bone marrow microenvironment because definitely not all patients early detected at MGAS status will progress to multiple myeloma and not in all of them we have to do an early intervention. This is a recent paper uh, published in Nature Communication in which, uh, well, this group evaluated whole genome sequencing in 32 myeloma precursor diseases. 15 remain stable and 17 progressed to multiple myeloma. And the main message is that stable precursors present a different genomic landscape versus progressive precursors and multiple myeloma. And these progressive precursors are closer and closer to multiple myeloma, even from the chronological point of view, but also from the molecular abnormalities, as well as the mutational burden is definitely similar to myeloma that reported in patients with precursor, progressive precursor diseases. And I would like to remark the APOVEC mutational signature that definitely is absent in those patients in which remain with a stable precursor disease. And the same information is applicable to cytogenetic abnormalities. And based on this, when we go to the clinic, we can identify patients with a monoclonal gammopathy in which we know that the risk of progression to multiple myeloma is a very low 1% per year. And definitely it is not necessary to do early intervention. The diagnosis of a monoclonal gammopathy right now is based on clinical markers. And the same is applicable to smoldering myeloma and we know that this disease is quite heterogeneous in terms of a risk of progression to multiple myeloma, but it is mandatory to identify the individual risk for each new patient with a smoldering myeloma. The International Myeloma Working Group endorsed this 2020 model evaluated in more than 1,000 patients with a smoldering myeloma, and those patients presenting two or more of these risk factors, serum M-spike higher than two, free light chain ratio higher than 20, plasma cell bone marrow infiltration higher than 20%. The risk of progression at two years was of approximately 50%, and this model could be optimized by the addition of the cytogenetic abnormalities and patients with three or more of these risk factors, their risk of progression to myeloma to two years is over 60%. What is the evidence? The evidence definitely is coming from some clinical trials. This is one of the phase three clinical studies conducted in high-risk smoldering myeloma patients, in this case with lenalidomide and dexamethasone versus observation. The early treatment in this case with Lendex resulted into a significant benefit in terms of time to progression, median time to progression of nine years versus two years for the observation group. And this benefit in time to progression 
resulted or translated also into a significant benefit in overall survival. But this is not the only phase three clinical study showing this benefit. The ECO group and the first order is Sagarlonial and the last one, Vincent Rakumar, showed similar efficacy data in asymptomatic smoldering myeloma patients treated in this case with lenalidomide alone in all patients and when the Mayo 28 risk model or the Mayo 2018 risk model were applied. And this is equivalent to the International Myeloma Working Group model to 2020. In this study, some patients with a low risk and intermediate risk smoldering myeloma were included, but the most benefit was observed, as you can see in the slide, for those patients with high risk, according, I repeat, to the 2020 model. A common question is if you treat early your high-risk smoldering myeloma patients, what happens at the moment of the relapse? Is the relapse going to be more resistant? In this phase three clinical study conducted by the Spanish myeloma group, we had the opportunity to see how the early treatment didn't induce more resistant relapses because the survival from the moment of a progressive disease was comparable in both arms. But planning again the cure, can we capture any additional information in order to plan the cure for high-risk smoldering myeloma? And just if we go to the revised international staging system for multiple myeloma, we can see how the lower the RISS, the better the overall survival. And this is independent of the transplant eligibility of the treatment utilized imids or proteasome inhibitors based combination. And the overall survival is better and closer to the expected survival for myeloma patients potentially cured. And the second important comment is something to which Mohammed alluded in his presentation, the minimal residual disease negativity as important prognostic marker predicting progression-free survival and overall survival. And we can optimize and we can investigate more and more in the AMRD increasing the sensitivity threshold, as well as evaluating the role of sustained and detectable measurable residual disease over time. And these two aspects are going to be critical in order to plan the potential roadmap to cure throughout early intervention in high-risk smoldering. Early detection of smoldering at high risk, optimizing the clinical models with the genomic and molecular markers because the models right now are based only on clinical markers. This could be optimized. Trying to achieve MRD negativity and sustain it over time as a potential surrogate marker for cure and using the therapeutic combinations resulting in the highest MRD negativity rates. And this is what the Spanish myeloma group is doing in this gene Cesar study with induction, transplant, consolidation, and maintenance. The objective is to evaluate the proportion of patients with sustained MRT negativity over time. Real right now, the follow-up is of approximately three years, up to 60% of the patients achieved MRD negative when they finalized the one year of maintenance. And this is preliminary, but this is the progression for survival. And this is the overall survival for high-risk smoldering myeloma patients treated with this curative approach. And another curative approach is 
becoming investigated by the International Myeloma Foundation, also based on KERD plus the monoclonal antibody daratumumab. The primary endpoint is rate of a confirmed stringent complete response. And today we have only preliminary data about the safety profile that is acceptable and the trial is ongoing. This is my last slide. Can we dream of curing myeloma by treating high-risk smothering? Our dream is to reach this myeloma survival, and we can combine maybe the minimal residual disease and negativity inside and outside of the bone marrow, sustained over time, together with the early treatment of high-risk smoldering myeloma patients treated as multiple myeloma. And you can see here, like in these three situations, the overall survival is closer to this myeloma survival expected for patients potentially cured. And I stop here. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening to the Multiple Myeloma Hub podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode, Satellite Symposium, Is Transplantation Still Relevant? If yes, in what context? We would also like to thank our supporters, Pfizer, Sanofi, AbbVie, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Genentech, GSK, Roche, Amgen and Oncopeptides. Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.